Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Welcome to Jags Drive Time with John Osherberg and Brian Sexton. Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Hey, they hold the ball a little long on this one. And to the face. Trevor, scrambling to his right, fires up, those caught by Evan Ingram to the five, into the end zone, touchdown! Now a flag came in. Hands to the face. 94. Boom! Let's go, man! Good morning and welcome into Jags Drive Time. Brian Sexton along with John Osier from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville. Start of the work week, so to speak. Wednesday's the big day when the players return ready to go and getting ready for the biggest game of the season, obviously, against the Dallas Cowboys. It was always going to feel that way, John Osier, because the Cowboys are the Cowboys. But to be in this thing in December creates an even stronger sense of what a meaningful game this one is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I... I'd- I don't know why it wouldn't be the biggest feeling game since the Patriots in 18. I mean, I I would think that would be the vibe. Uh, There's going to be Dallas fans there because Dallas, no matter what stadium you go into, when Dallas is there, there's an element of their fans there. But I I, I think the fans at Everbank, or I'm I'm sorry, at TI Bank Field, We'll be ready for this one. I think it's going to be electric, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's get right into big things on a Wednesday. And there are some big ones. We'll start with the most wonderful time in five years. We go back to December of 2017. Yeah, that's pretty good there, Brian. You know, that's when you pretty, work with words, right? Pretty good. Work, words are your work. <laughs> right. uh, but you get it. I mean, it's been a long time since this team has played meaningful games in the month of December. And the head coach didn't necessarily expect that this first year on the job he would see this. He's not exactly shying away from it either. You want to be playing meaningful games, you know, in December and January. And, you know, the last two have been, for us, have been meaningful, obviously, uh, with Baltimore, Detroit. I should say the last three, Baltimore, Detroit, and then Tennessee. And now, you know, moving forward, you know, we have the Cowboys this week. And, and um, you know, they're, I believe, 10-3, and three, and they're, they're one of the top teams in the NFC. And... They're playing really, you know, really well and, and coming off a, you know, a good win for them, you know, this weekend. So it's a it's a great opportunity for our, you know, for our uh, for our team to, you know, I, I want our guys to experience these these moments, you know, because we hope one day that, you know, if if things go well that we're we're playing and, and hopefully in the in the postseason and all that. But these are moments that you wanna you wanna be in and, and see where your team actually is against really good you know, really good opponents. Grounded checks in as big thing number two. 
The Jaguars have not crossed the 100-yard rushing mark as a team since they beat the Raiders here in Jacksonville on the first Sunday of November. In fact, over the last four games, they've averaged only 67 yards per game. Now, look, we talked that this is not going to be a ground-and-pound kind of team like the Jaguars of the old days, but the coach would like to see something more than he's getting from the ground game today. You know, each week, again, is still kind of a little bit of a work in progress. You know, um, you, you try to... You try to do some things, and you obviously you have enough in your your arsenal in the run game to to make changes, right? If you want to attack the perimeter and that doesn't work, then you work inside and you do things that way. And um, but yeah, you'd, you'd love to see a little more uh, production there and and um, and get more out of it. But again, you, know, you look at the game yesterday, and and um, it just happened that throwing the ball was you know um, just as good, you know, uh, than than running it. And big things rounds out with, so what now what? I'm still waiting for the t-shirt of this one, John. I mean, I thought it was the quip of the year in a news conference that Doug Peterson had early on when the Jaguars were winning. And, um, you know, they lost in Detroit. And then they win in uh, Tennessee. And it makes you wonder, okay, what is this team? And the coach says, I'm going to go back to a Gus Bradleyism. If those of you who were here remember, treat both as imposters adversity and prosperity and that's kind of what Doug was getting at on Monday when he talked about getting his team focused on the Cowboys you know it's a short-term memory business you know it's a 24-hour rule after a game you know you're, you're on to the next and you, you, you try to remember what you did last week and, and build on it and, and do a little bit more this week and and then you do more next week and you know whatever it is and and um, I thought the guys really you know now, you know, we also talked about that loss, how that loss, is, uh, you know, how it affects everybody. And, you know, um, guys have a lot of pride and, and they don't they don't want to be remembered that way. And so they really took it to heart, had a great week of preparation um, and it paid off. Right. Um, they went out and they played well, wasn't perfect, but played well and, and got the win. And, and so this week they almost have to, like, forget that. You know, just like you would the film, right? You just put it in the trash can and light it on fire and, and forget it and uh, and move on to, you know, this week. And there are big things. Hey, I, I was on the uh, I was I was on a podcast last night. Uh, shout out to uh, Eric and King and Mike and the guys at uh, Teal Deal Podcast. But they didn't realize this. So I wonder if you do. Um, when was the last time before 2017 that the Jaguars played a meaningful game this late in the season? Ten. Yes, yes, you got it. Most people Indy. forget about that season. Yeah, up in Indy. Yeah, because uh, yeah. they I lost their last three and finished yeah. eight and eight, and they don't think about it. But the Jags were eight and five that year and went to, to Indy with a chance to to beat the Colts and win the division, and they lost it in the third quarter. Um, so twice in the last twelve years, the Jaguars mm-hmm. have played this, and it's exciting being around town right now, John. Honestly, because everyone is keyed into Sunday. Yeah, and I've gotten some emails this week because uh, there's always going to be. You know, people who say nay, as we discussed Monday. Yeah. Um, well, they they're five and eight. The division is bad, so that's why they're still in it. You know, hold your horses and all that. I keep going back to this. You you can't control anything in this league, obviously. What other teams do, uh, but secondly, they've if if you start at mid season, they've played their way into this by beating two contenders. I mean, they beat the Ravens and the Titans. You bet. So, uh, sure, the record 
they would love the record to be better. And uh, Doug would tell you there's uh, three or four they left on the table and all that. Okay, that's fine, whatever. But since that Broncos game, which Doug Peterson on the Rich Eisen podcast was pretty good that he sees that interception by Trevor in Denver as sort of the point where it was wake-up call. He said the same and, thing to me. And, and he has been lights out since then. So say you say, okay, that's where the learning turned into performance. Three and two since then, uh, laid an egg, lost to maybe the best team in the league, and beat a couple of contenders, and beat a Raiders team that played pretty well after that game. From the midseason on, they're earning this. And, uh, you know, it 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 is fun. Don't worry about the record. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think that's still a long shot. But what Doug said in one of those clips, use this. Get this experience. Figure out what it's all about because you're going to be here at some point. And quickly, because Brian brought us uh, from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas is going to join us via Skype here in the next segment of our program. Um, Trevor Lawrence, uh, 111.8 passer rating since the beginning of November, second best in the league. Which is since that Denver game, I guess. Yep. Sure, 72% sure. completions, which is the most in the league. 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, 1,300 yards. He's playing lights out. In fact, he's the AFC Offensive Player of the Week that we've just learned this morning. So congratulations to Trevor Lawrence. He's playing at such a high level. Do you worry about the fact that there is no ground game to speak of over the last couple of well, weeks? You would like more, and, and Doug would like more. But remember, in this offense... Look, I'm not saying they wouldn't like to be running the ball better right now, but Doug also believes um, if if you're effective throwing it, throw it. And the threat of the run is as important in the modern NFL as actually running. And it does feel still in the last three or four weeks they're not running as effectively, but uh, the Titans clearly had an idea they were not going to run the ball and win that game. So if teams are taking it away, now you got a quarterback who can throw it. Um, you, you don't want to get to a point where teams just know you can never run in any circumstance because then it's it's a Katie bar the door on the quarterback. I don't think they're as worried or panicky about the run game as maybe some people in the media will be this week because uh, I think they sort of know what it is. Well, I think it bears mentioning because – the Cowboys have 48 sacks. They're yep. just one off of the league lead at this point. 48 sacks. So if you think you're going to protect your quarterback and have him drop back and throw the ball 41 times, think again. You're going to need to be able to run the ball to some extent on Sunday. We're going to talk about the Cowboys with a longtime NFL scout, once here in Jacksonville, turned media savant with the Dallas Cowboys and now 105.3 The Fan. Brian Broadus joins us next. Jaguars drive time and Sunday's game against the Cowboys is presented by Renewal by Anderson, a better way to a better window. RBAFLA.com. Renewal by Anderson presents the Dallas Cowboys game this Sunday. It's a one o'clock kick, and of course, we'll have all the coverage all week long leading up to the biggest game of the season for the Jaguars. Brian brought us when we return. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Back to Jags Drive Time presented by Jet Home Loans and Price.com presents this or that on a weekly basis here on the program. Price.com is the easiest way to save money with comparison shopping, cashback coupons, all in one. It's free. Try Price.com today. This or that. This or that. All right. Brian Broaddus will join us in a couple of minutes here on Jags Drive Time. Until then, time for this or that. John, where are you? My this or that is... uh... Who will follow up last week's big game of the big game, Josh Allen or Trayvon Walker? And I mean, I mean, I think it'll be Josh Allen, um, but I mainly uh, picked this topic because uh, Trayvon Walker, uh, it, it appears, uh, well, he has an ankle injury, and I don't know what it appears because Doug Peterson will address it probably in, in about an hour at his news conference. But I picked the topic because I think Josh Allen, uh, this is the kind of game, Brian, where he could – uh, get back to what he was. He had this game against uh, Buffalo last year. There, everybody remembers we had the sack, the fumble, the interception. Um, this is a big game against a marquee team, and I just wonder if maybe this it, uh, this won't be a game where Josh Allen again shows that he's not just the other Josh Allen. You know, I don't know obviously about the ankle and Trayvon, but Josh Allen. He- I've talked to him a lot in the locker room this season, and and I've noticed I don't want to say desperation because that that's the wrong term, but there's just this intensity about getting going again, yeah. and it was almost relief in his eyes in the post game in Nashville because this is a big season for him. This was a prove it moment for him, and so far he hasn't gotten it done. So I'm going to go with Josh Allen. Um, you know, he came through in the biggest of ways against the other Josh Allen last year in a big game against the Buffalo Bills. And I just get this sense, their offensive line has some issues, and we'll talk with Brian Broaddus about that. This might be the day that he goes off. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and I, uh, I don't think he has played overall as, as poorly as maybe even he thinks because he was so juiced up to get sacks and to have that MVP-type year. And, and that's tough for – that can be tough for a defensive end because it is such a – it is such a cruel position sometimes. You can play well, not get sacks, and everybody thinks you stink. It's usually not the case, but I think Josh maybe a little bit ha- has pressed, ha- has felt that a little bit, and uh, I think it's frustrating. With reason, but I don't know that – I mean, it doesn't make him a bad player. It just means he's having trouble getting those numbers and the results that he wants. Well, what you said is absolutely true about the pass rush not always getting home. And – that's something that Bill Shuey said to me last week when I talked to him for pregame radio, and that is if you do everything right, there still is a circumstance there. Yeah. Right? Can the back end hold up for an extra second mm-hmm. to allow you to get there? Is there a stunt that's being played, and does the guy who's running the stunt with you right. go to the right gap? I mean, there's all sorts of little things there. Dwight Freeney once up. told me he, he, he considered his best pass rushing year, and this was probably 08, so he still had some years left, but at the time he was in his seventh year had been to Pro Bowls, he considered his best pass rushing year year he got four and a half sacks because the circumstances just didn't dictate where he got home. Absolutely. Getting there and getting home are two entirely different things. All right, time for mine, and I'm going to ask you this, John. 
Which one of these two players is the one who can just kill the Jaguars' playoff hopes? Not that this game and a loss would absolutely kill the playoff hopes, but which one of these guys would put the needle in the balloon fastest? Prescott, obviously, the quarterback of an offense that scores 28 points a game, and Parsons leads the sack attack that has 48 quarterback sacks this year. Um, which one? It, it's tough. I, I'm going to go with Parsons. Um and Dak will go have a big game and prove me wrong because they're both so dangerous. But uh, I feel like the defense feeds off Parsons. He's a guy who can make plays, sack, fumble. A big play by Parsons would feel like Dallas is is, is doing what they want and dominating. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys are going to make some plays offensively. So uh, Dak having a play or two doesn't worry as much as if a defensive guy does it. It's just dangerous. And... and, and and Dak, uh, unlike some past years, he's had some interceptions this yeah. year. A little more yeah, than he nine. usually does. Uh, to me, that's the key. I think the Jaguars have to take advantage of one of those opportunities that he may give them. Well, I'm going with Parsons as well because he's got 12 sacks and he leads a barrage of ta- uh, Dallas players who have more than five. Uh, Dante Fowler Jr. is one of those as well. Um, you just you see the pressure that he gets. 22 quarterback hits, 13 tackles behind the line of scrimmage. All due respect to Prescott in the 98-yard game-winning drive that he orchestrated last week against the Texans. Uh, this guy here, if he's getting to the quarterback, bad things are happening and the offense is in trouble. And uh, we all know that the Jaguars' defense needs the offense putting up points and giving them better opportunities. So uh, I'll go with Micah Parsons being the guy that can create the most havoc. All right, Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by our friends at ViStar. ViStar, do good, bank better. When we return, as promised, from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, Brian Broadus joins us to talk about the Cowboys. And welcome back, Jags Drive Time, on a Wednesday morning from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville, brought to you, as always, by our friends at Publix, Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. Brian Sexton, along with John Osier, and an old friend joins us now, Brian Broadus from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Uh, bro, good morning. I'm going to uh, I'm going to beef you up. Don't say anything. Brian won a Super Bowl with the Packers in their scouting department, then came here for a season in 1998 before going on to Dallas. And next to Tom Coughlin, nobody was as patient with a young broadcaster, and he used to let me sit in his office and watch tape deep into the night, way before I had kids. Um, nobody understands the game and can explain it as well from a media perspective, at least to my way of thinking, as you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Let me return the uh, praises. Uh, nobody taught me how to eat crab legs faster than you did when we used to go out and uh, and hang out at the, you know, out there and, and at the various places that we used to go. But I always enjoyed being uh, with you. I love the fact that you were so interested in the game and wanted to learn so much about the game. So, uh, you know, it was it was my pleasure for sure. Well, let's dive right into it, my friend. Uh, and we'll start with this. Micah Parsons, you heard our last segment. I think he is the best player on the Cowboys. Agree or disagree on, on, a, on a star-studded roster, he's the guy that makes it go. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, there was there was a time where we always were talking about Tyron Smith and then Zach Martin came along. There was a time with Ezekiel Elliott, you know, that you might have thrown him in. But this organization caught a huge break 
uh, with Micah Parsons. Uh, you know, when we were evaluating him coming out of Penn State, you know, the COVID year, not playing and all that, and you really were in one of those modes where you were trying to figure out, you know, wow, this is an off-ball linebacker. They traded back. They were able to grab him. But it took an injury to Demarcus Lawrence and for him to kind of get the recognition. Dan Quinn in week two said, listen, we need a pass rusher against the Chargers. And, you know, Michael Parsons became that guy. And then you started to see the power, the explosiveness, the quickness. You know, he, he had a real feel for how to do it. And, you know, it just really kind of blossomed from that time that Dan Quinn has moved him around and, uh, and, and, and really played to his strengths. And it was really funny because evaluating him at Penn State, I would challenge anybody to, to find the film of him as a, uh, a, a really like a defensive end pass rusher. I mean, he was a damn good linebacker, but, you know, the, the pass rush stuff was something that really the Cowboys did a good job of, of getting that out of him. Uh, Brian, take me through the Cowboys offense. Uh, good to talk to you again, by the way. I, I, I remember you. Uh, from the 90s, we talked a little bit. Yeah. Always enjoyed you. Um, offensively, you know, this team overall and offensively, they look so dominant in terms of talent. But offensively, if they have an Achilles heel, if, if teams get them, where do they get the Cowboys, if you follow me? Well, John, it's, it's really teams have kind of figured out. And last week, the Texans did something that teams had been doing last year to this offense. And that was playing a lot of cover, too, with those two uh, safeties off the hash. And so teams that have blitzed Dak Prescott have kind of learned that that's probably not the best way to go. He's good at handling the blitz. He's good at getting rid of the ball. But teams that play what we call clog and cover with that two deep look, you know, they rush four, drop seven, and they make him have to read the field. And they just didn't do a very good job last week until the final drive. You know, Lovey Smith, really the majority of the game, played that cover two look. And it, it really does affect Dak Prescott because – you know, he's struggling, as you guys mentioned, with the interceptions. Uh, he's, you know, he struggles at times finding those open receivers. And, you know, they've just, the, the, they just haven't been able to get open. So I wouldn't be surprised at all of going forward when you play the Cowboys that maybe, you know, that we see other teams say, wow, they, you know, the Denver Broncos last year had a plan for how to play and teams took advantage of that went away from that, and then we saw it again because Lovey Smith being a, a, a big two-deep guy, you know, it kind of came back, and it looked like that, you know, that Dak had problems again until that final drive kind of picking that thing apart. Brian, we've seen some good uh, one-two running back tandems in Jacksonville. James Stewart and Fred Taylor, as you'll remember, uh, Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones-Drew Give me your sense of this group with Pollard and Elliott averaging 145 rushing yards a game. Uh, but, you know, both those guys are approaching 1,000 yards. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see both of them get there, which is an amazing feat. It's only happened, I think, four times in the modern era of professional football. Um, it, they're the engine, right? Oh, no. They're, yeah, it's, it's funny. I got in trouble with Jerry Jones during training camp because I asked him, I go, you feel like you wasted Tony Pollard's career. You know, I mean, he's in his last year of his uh, his deal here in Dallas. And, uh, 
you know, they finally figured out how to play him. It used to be that Elliott would play, you know, the first two or three series and then Pollard would come in for one series and then you wouldn't see him again. But now you've got Tony Pollard where he's finishing games. And that's something that, you know, they hadn't done before. So, you know, you get into the four-minute drive and then all of a sudden, you know, Tony Pollard's on the field running the football. And there's just been a, you know, they finally, I could say the balance there has been really, really good between the two. And the coaches have figured out, you know, it doesn't matter. If one gets, I mean, we had a game the other day where Pollard actually had more carries than Elliott. I can't ever remember that ever happening here. So they've, you know, it's, 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 they've got that, uh, they've got that, with that one, two punch. And they'll also put them on the field together at the same time. You get down in the red zone, you'll see them use Pollard as like a wing or a receiver or a slot and, and run plays off that with both those guys being on the field. So it's really, really helped the offense, uh, the balance. This, this, this team is, you know, it struggles when Dak Prescott throws the ball more than 40 times. That's been a big issue here. And so, you know, it's the running game has given them that that balance that, you know, and not 50-50 split, but it's taken some of the pressure off Dak having to throw the ball. Brian, what's different about this version of the Cowboy? I mean, there's been so much talk uh, over 25 years that they haven't made the Super Bowl, a lot of talented teams. I look at this Dallas team and I can envision it holding up the trophy. Uh, what's different about it that that might enable them to do that? I think, John, it's going to be about the defense here. I really do. Uh, you know, now they've got some issues at corner. They've got to figure out what they're going to do opposite digs. You know, and and you know, with with Kelvin Joseph playing, Deron Bland, they're trying to figure out some things. This team has lost two of the starting three cornerbacks this year. And so they're trying to replace that. You know, the, the thing is they've gotten better playing run defense. It'll be a, a challenge again this week for them. But there was some real problems early in the season with perimeter runs, and they kind of shored that up. Losing Jonathan Hankins will hurt them a little bit inside. Uh, he's done a really, really nice job. But if they're going to win this thing, it's going to be about the defense. It's going to be about them because they're going to play – they're going to play some teams that are, 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 you know, in the playoffs potentially. You know, the 49ers, you know, super physical team. That was a problem for them last year. So, you know, they have to be they have to be tougher than they were. And I think this defense has shown that they can be tougher. And, you know, their ability to rush the passer is really unmatched in the league. You know, if they get you and make you one-dimensional, they, they, they find ways to cause problems. And... I think that's something, you know, if, as long as they can choke that run, then they're going to find a way to rush the passer. And I think that's the, that's the ticket for them uh, potentially, uh, you know, winning that, uh, winning that Super Bowl you're talking about. All right, two quick questions for you. As I mentioned off the top, nobody watches film like you do. So your impressions of Trevor Lawrence the last month, because I know you spent time looking at the tape. Yeah, I did. And uh, you know what? I'll tell you what, though. I really like I'm, – I'm a big fan of Doug Peterson. I, I go all the way back. Doug and I are actually really, really close. And, you know, he was with us in Green Bay when we won the Super Bowl. And I, I, I share great stories with him. And every time that you guys win, I send him a text and say congratulations, and he gets back with me. I really – that's what he needed. You know, that's what Trevor Lawrence needed. He needed some stability – you know, with his with his play caller, with the way he was being coached, uh, you know, I mean, you could see the talent. I mean, just 
go back and watch him play. And, you know, the thing I was worried about was just the revolving door, the different things that were going on. You know, you didn't want the kid to be ruined. But I'll tell you what, man, his ability to move around in the pocket, his ability to deliver the football, you know, the weapons, the the movement that you guys have, the you know, the, the, the ability to run. I just I really do think that it's the best fit for him to have a guy like Doug Peterson, you know, helping him along and developing him because you could see it in the way he plays. You really, really can. And so. I'm impressed. I think this is going to be a very difficult game for Dallas to win, believe it or not. And I I just kind of feel like the Jacksonville is on a little bit of a roll uh, defensively. And then but, you know, with the way the quarterback's playing, you know, it, it, this is this will be a tough, tough test for the Cowboys. And final thought, look, you came to Jacksonville from Green Bay. So from one small market to the other. And then, of course, you went to Dallas, which is America's team. And, and everyone knows that whole story. Um, but you've been one of the biggest proponents of Jacksonville as an NFL market. I mean, you and I have talked about this over, over 25, 26 years. Would you just share your thoughts with our, our viewing audience as someone from the biggest of markets and, and what you think of Jacksonville as an NFL town? First off, Brian, I loved living in Jacksonville. I really did. I, I thought, you know, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, like you mentioned, Green Bay, Philadelphia, you know, some big places, you know, like with Philadelphia and Dallas, of course. But yeah, I mean, the, the smallest market there in Green Bay, you know, that was that was a great experience for me. It was all about football. And, and you know, it, it wasn't about being, you know, you, you know, it, there wasn't this glamorous thing about it at all. It was just really about football. And that's what I really appreciated. What I appreciated is going to school at LSU and then having the appreciation of having to deal with, you know, the Florida Gator fans and stuff like that and making those trips from Baton Rouge to Gainesville and stuff. That part of the country loves football, very knowledgeable football fans. I, I've always been super impressed by the passion that they have for the game and the love of the game. All I think they've ever wanted was to be able to back a team that, that's a winner. And I think they've got the stability now. Again, I talk about Doug Peterson. You know, I think that you're, I think Jacksonville is on the way of building something. I, I, that Urban Meyer thing – and, I, and I'm going to be the first one to admit, I was completely wrong about Urban Meyer because I've seen the different programs that he was able to build. So I was completely wrong myself as a, as a guy, a former football guy. But the, the fans in Jacksonville deserve, deserve more. They deserve to have a winner, you know, because, again, those fans are super fans. They were, they were great to me when I was there. We had good football teams, too. You know, that, that was something that was always, you know, important. But I, I just – I think ownership there – I think that the the coach there, the front office, you know, we'll see how that all plays out. But I, I'm I'm a big fan of of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm a fan of their of their fans as well because I think they they're really really passionate and they love the game. Well, a lot of people have heard me or others say that Jacksonville could be the Green Bay of the South. Brian Broadus was the first person to coin that phrase to me in 1998. If I don't connect with you, Merry Christmas, and thank you so much for your time and your insight on the Cowboys. We're looking forward to a big game on Sunday. Well, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, take care of my guys down there. Don't beat up on them too bad or anything like that. You guys are in a little bit of a role. I, hey, I watched the Lions game. I get it. But that, that team's going the right direction there, you know. It'll be, it'll be fine again, trust me. But thank you. Happy holidays to you guys as you well. Got it. Long-time Thanks, NFL executive, now with 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, Brian Broadus. We'll come back and wrap up Jags Drive Time on a Wednesday and get you ready for the Cowboys right after this. 
Well, for nine years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You can visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all their available inventory and their holiday specials. And the folks over at DreamFinders, led by Patrick and company, say, go Jags. Brian Sexton, John Osier, back to wrap it up. Um, Doug Peterson talked on Monday about how takeaways were the driving factor in success, right? That's the thing I think that when you look at the Jaguars and the ability to beat the Cowboys on Sunday, they got to keep taking the ball away. Yeah, I mean, this is not a great defense, and I don't think it's going to be yet. It, it It's not there yet personnel-wise. And when I say that, I mean, they're not going to shut you down. They're not going to be at the top of the league standings. But they have been very, very good at times taking the ball away. And when they've been good at times – uh, in, in that area, that is when they have felt like a very, very good defense. Early in the season, you feel like they were on a roll with it. They got four last week. They got some breaks with it. Uh, to me, f- for this team, turnovers are all about taking advantage of the opportunity. They're going to be there. There's probably going to be a ball on the ground. There's going to be a ball in the air that you can get. If you see them pounding their fist on the ground after not getting one, I think they're in trouble. I think they have to take advantage of the opportunities when they're there on Sunday. All right, we're getting ready to go listen to Doug Peterson. Of course, we'll have him here for you on Jaguars.com. John, who's in the uh, the Ozone podcast this week? Uh, we're trying to get Cam Robinson. I'm, I'm waiting for confirmation, right. but we'll see. All right, stay tuned for that one, folks. And thanks to everyone, Joe and Brent and the whole crew that makes this show as good as it can be every single episode. We'll see you tomorrow for Jags Drive Time. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.